0: Chapter 7 of The Black Arrow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith, of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Black Arrow by Robert Louis Stevenson. Book One, Chapter Seven The Hooded Face. They awoke in the gray of the morning. The birds were not yet in full song, but twittered here and there among the woods. The sun was not yet up, but the eastern sky was barred with solemn colours. Half-starved and overweary as they were, they lay without moving, sunk in a delightful lassitude. And as they thus lay, the clang of a bell fell suddenly upon their ears. "'A bell!' said Dick, sitting up. "'Can we be, then, so near to Holywood?' A little after, the bell clanged again, but this time somewhat nearer hand, and from that time forth, and still drawing nearer and nearer, it continued to sound brokenly abroad in the silence of the morning. "'Nay, what should this betoken?' said Dick, who was now broad awake. "'It is someone walking,' returned Matcham, "'and the bell tolleth ever as he moves.' "'I see that well,' said Dick but wherefore what maketh he in tunstall woods jack he added laugh at me an ye will but i like not the hollow sound of it nay said matcham with a shiver it hath a doleful note and the day were not yet come but just then the bell quickening its pace began to ring thick and hurried and then it gave a single hammering jangle and was silent for a space it is as though the bearer had run for a pater while, and then leaped the river, Dick observed, and now beginneth he again to pace soberly forward, added Matcham. Nay, returned Dick. Nay, not so soberly, Jack. 'Tis the man that walketh you right speedily. 'Tis a man in some fear of his life, or about some hurried business. See ye not how swift the beating draweth near? It is now close by, said Matcham they were now on the edge of the pit and as the pit itself was on a certain eminence they commanded a view over the greater proportion of the clearing up to the thick woods that closed it in the daylight which was very clear and grey showed them a ribend of white footpath wandering among the gorse it passed some hundred yards from the pit and ran the whole length of the clearing east and west By the line of its course, Dick judged it should lead more or less directly to the moat-house. Upon this path, stepping forth from the margin of the wood, a white figure now appeared. It paused a little, and seemed to look about, and then, at a slow pace, and bent almost double, it began to draw nearer across the heath. At every step the bell clanked. Face it had none— a white hood not even pierced with eye-holes veiled the head and as the creature moved it seemed to feel its way with the tapping of a stick fear fell upon the lads as cold as death a leper said dick hoarsely his touch is death said matcham let us run not so returned dick see ye not he is stone blind he guideth him with a staff let us lie still the wind bloweth towards the path and he will go by and hurt us not alas poor soul and we should rather pity him i will pity him when he is by replied matcham the blind leper was now about halfway towards them and just then the sun rose and shone full on his veiled face he had been a tall man before he was bowed by his disgusting sickness and even now he walked with a vigorous step. The dismal beating of his bell, the pattering of the stick, the eyeless screen before his countenance, and the knowledge that he was not only doomed to death and suffering, but shut out for from the touch of his fellow men, filled the lad's bosoms with dismay, and at every step that brought him nearer, their courage and strength seemed to desert them. As he came about level with the pit, he paused. And turned his face full upon the lads "Mary, be my shield he sees us said matcham faintly hush whispered dick he doth but hearken he is blind fool the leper looked or listened whichever he was really doing for some seconds then he began to move on again but presently paused once more and again turned and seemed to gaze upon the lads Even Dick became dead white and closed his eyes, as if by the mere sight he might become infected. But soon the bell sounded, and this time, without any farther hesitation, the leper crossed the remainder of the little heath, and disappeared into the covert of the woods. "'He saw us,' said Matcham. "'I could swear it!' "'Tut!' returned Dick, recovering some sparks of courage. "'He but heard us.' He was in fear, poor soul. And ye were blind, and walked in a perpetual night. Ye would start yourself, if ever a twig rustled, or a bird cried, Peep! Dick, good Dick, he saw us, repeated Matcham. When a man hearkeneth, he doth not as this man. He doth otherwise, Dick. This was seeing, it was not hearing. He means foully. Hark, else, if his bell be not stopped! Such was the case. The bell rang no longer. Nay, said Dick, I like that not. Nay, he cried again, I like that little. What may this betoken? Let us go by the mass. He has gone east, added Matcham. Good Dick, let us go westward straight. I shall not breathe till I have my back turned upon that leper. Jack, you are too cowardly, replied Dick. We shall go fair for Holywood, or as fair at least as I can guide you, and that will be due north. They were afoot at once, passed the stream upon some stepping-stones, and began to mount on the other side which was steeper, towards the margin of the wood. The ground became very uneven, full of knolls and hollows. Trees grew scattered or in clumps. It became difficult to choose a path, and the lads somewhat wandered. They were weary, besides, with yesterday's exertions and the lack of food, and they moved but heavily and dragged their feet among the sand. Presently, coming to the top of a knoll, they were aware of the leper, some hundred feet in front of them, crossing the line of their march by a hollow. His bell was silent, his staff no longer tapped the ground, and he went before him with the swift and assured footsteps of a man who sees next moment he had disappeared into a little thicket the lads at the first glimpse had crouched behind a tuft of gorse there they lay horror struck certain he pursueth us said dick certain he held the clapper of his bell in one hand saw ye that it should not sound now may the saints aid and guide us for i have no strength to combat pestilence what maketh he cried matcham What doth he want? Who ever heard the like, that a leper, out of mere malice, should pursue unfortunates? Hath he not his belt to that very end, that people may avoid him? Dick, there is below this something deeper. "'Nay, I care not,' moaned Dick. "'The strength has gone out of me. My legs are like water. The saints be mine assistance.' "'Would ye lie there idle?' cried Matcham let us back into the open we have the better chance he cannot steal upon us unawares not i said dick my time is come and peradventure he may pass us by bend me then your bow cried the other what will ye be a man dick crossed himself would ye have me shoot upon a leper he cried the hand would fail me nay now he added Nay, now, let be. With sound men I will fight, but not with ghosts and lepers. Which this is, I wot not. One or other, heaven be our protection. Now, said Matcham, if this be man's courage, what a poor thing is man. But sith he will do naught, let us lie close. Then came a single broken jangle on the bell. He hath missed his hold upon the clapper, whispered Matcham. Saints, how near he is! But Dick answered never a word. His teeth were near chattering. Soon they saw a piece of the white robe between some bushes. Then the leper's head was thrust forth from behind a trunk, and he seemed narrowly to scan the neighbourhood before he once again withdrew. To their stretched senses, the whole bush appeared alive with rustlings and the creak of twigs, and they heard the beating of each other's heart. Suddenly, with a cry, the leper sprang into the open close by, and ran straight upon the lads. They, shrieking aloud, separated and began to run different ways, but their horrible enemy fastened upon Matcham, ran him swiftly down, and had him almost instantly a prisoner. The lad gave one scream that echoed high and far over the forest. He had one spasm of struggling, and then all his limbs relaxed, and he fell limp into his captor's arms. Dick heard the cry, and turned. He saw Matcham fall, and on the instant his spirit and his strength revived. With a cry of pity and anger, he unslung and bent his arbalest, but ere he had time to shoot, the leper held up his hand. "'Hold your shot, Dickon!' cried a familiar voice. "'Hold your shot, mad wag! Know ye not a friend?' And then, laying down Matcham on the turf, he undid the hood from off his face, and disclosed the features of— Sir Daniel Brackley Sir Daniel! cried Dick. Aye, by the mass, Sir Daniel! returned the knight. Would ye shoot upon your guardian, rogue? But here is this—and there he broke off, and pointing to Matcham, asked, How call ye him, Dick? Nay, said Dick, I call him Master Matcham. Know ye him not? He said ye knew him. "Ay," replied Sir Daniel i know the lad and he chuckled but he has fainted and by my sooth he might have had less to faint for hey dick did i put the fear of death upon you indeed sir daniel you did that said dick and sighed again at the mere recollection nay sir saving your respect i had as lief have met the devil in person and to speak truth i am yet all a quake but what made you, sir, in such a guise? Sir Daniel's brow grew suddenly black with anger. What made I? he said. You do well to mind me of it. What? I skulked for my poor life in my own wood of Tunstall, Dick. We were ill-sped at the battle. We but got there to be swept among the rout. Where be all my good men-at-arms? Dick, by the mass I know not. We were swept down. The shot fell thick among us i have not seen one man in my own colour since i saw three fall for myself i came sound to shoreby and being mindful of the black arrow got me this gown and bell and came softly by the path for the moat house there is no disguise to be compared with it the jingle of this bell would scare me the stoutest outlaw in the forest they would all turn pale to hear it at length i came by you and matcham i could see but evilly through this same hood and was not sure of you, being chiefly, and for many a good cause, astonished at the finding you together. Moreover, in the open, where I had to go slowly and tap with my staff, I feared to disclose myself. But see, he added, this poor shrew begins a little to revive. A little good canary will comfort me the heart of it. The knight, from under his long dress, produced a stout bottle and began to rub the temples and wet the lips of the patient, who returned gradually to consciousness, and began to roll dim eyes from one to another. "'What cheer, Jack?' said Dick. "'It was no leper, after all. It was Sir Daniel. See?' "'Swallow me a good draught of this,' said the knight. "'This will give you manhood. Thereafter I will give you both a meal, and we shall all three on to Tunstall. for Dick.' he continued, laying forth bread and meat upon the grass, "'I will avow to you in all good conscience. It irks me sorely to be safe between four walls. Not since I backed a horse have I been pressed so hard. Peril of life, jeopardy of land and livelihood, and, to sum up, all these losels in the wood to hunt me down. But I be not yet shent. Some of my lads will pick me their way home. Hatch hath ten fellows.' selden he had six nay we shall soon be strong again and if i can but buy my peace with my right fortunate and undeserving lord of york why dick will be a man again and go a horseback and so saying the knight filled himself a horn of canary and pledged his ward in dumb show selden dick faltered selden and he paused again Sir Daniel put down the wine untasted. "'How?' he cried, in a changed voice. "'Selden! Speak! What of Selden?' Dick stammered forth the tale of the ambush and the massacre. The knight heard in silence, but as he listened, his countenance became convulsed with rage and grief. "'Now here he cried. "'On my right hand I swear to avenge it!' If that I fail, if that I spill not ten men's souls for each, may this hand wither from my body. I broke this Duckworth like a rush. I beggared him to his door. I burned the thatch above his head. I drove him from this country, and now, cometh he back to beard me? (laughs) Nay, but, Duckworth, this time it shall go bitter hard." He was silent for some time, his face working eat he cried suddenly and you here he added to matcham swear me an oath to follow straight to the moat house i will pledge mine honour replied matcham what make i with your honour cried the knight swear me upon your mother's welfare matcham gave the required oath and sir daniel readjusted the hood over his face and prepared his bell and staff To see him once more in that appalling travesty, somewhat revived the horror of his two companions, but the knight was soon upon his feet. "'Eat with dispatch,' he said, and follow me yearly to mine house.' And with that he set forth again into the woods, and presently after the bell began to sound, numbering his steps, and the two lads sat by their untasted meal, and heard it die slowly away uphill into the distance and so ye go to tunstall dick inquired yea verily said matcham when needs must i am braver behind sir daniel's back than to his face they ate hastily and set forth along the path through the airy upper levels of the forest where great beeches stood apart among green lawns and the birds and squirrels made merry on the boughs two hours later they began to descend upon the other side and already, among the tree-tops, saw before them the red walls and roofs of Tunstall House. "'Here,' said Matcham, pausing, "'ye shall take your leave of your friend Jack, whom ye are to see, no more. "'Come, Dick, forgive him what he did amiss, "'as he for his part cheerfully and lovingly forgiveth you.' "'And wherefore so?' asked Dick. And we both go to Tunstall, I shall see you yet again, I trow, and that right often.' "'You'll never again see poor Jack Matcham,' replied the other. "'That was so fearful and burthensome, and yet plucked you from the river. You'll not see him more, Dick, by mine honour. He held his arms open, and the lads embraced and kissed. "'And Dick,' continued Matcham, "'my spirit bodeth ill. You are now to see a new Sir Daniel.' For heretofore hath all prospered in his hands exceedingly, and fortune followed him. But now, methinks, when his fate hath come upon him, and he runs the adventure of his life, he will prove but a foul lord to both of us. He may be brave in battle, but he hath the liar's eye. There is fear in his eye, Dick, and fear is as cruel as the wolf. We go down into that house, St. Mary guide us forth again. And so they continued their descent in silence, and came out at last before Sir Daniel's forest stronghold, where it stood, low and shady, flanked with round towers, and stained with moss and lichen, in the lilied waters of the moat. Even as they appeared, the doors were opened, the bridge lowered, and Sir Daniel himself, with Hatch and the parson at his side, stood ready to receive them. End of chapter